Thanks for listening to the Unlocking Athletes podcast presented by the EAX Athlete Academy, where we dive into youth sports and everything that comes with it. I'm your host, Nate Woodruff, Athlete Academy Director and General Manager of Evolution Athletics Gym in West End, North Carolina. I've been working with and coaching high school athletes now for almost 14 years. During that time, almost every young athlete says they want to be D1. My response has always been, are you sure? Most kids like the idea of playing D1 without ever really understanding what it takes. Today, we're talking with one of my best friends in the world, Coach Greg Harbo. Greg is the co-offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at the University of Minnesota. He has worked his butt off through the ranks of D3 all the way up to where he is now, making seven to eight coaching stops along the way. Throughout this conversation, we go through what college coaches are looking for in players and what separates good, great, and elite level players. We also go into what it takes to play in college at each level and what it truly looks like to be a college athlete. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Buckle up for episode seven of Unlocking Athletes. Uh, we're here with one of my truly best friends, uh, Greg Harbo. Known Greg since 2005. Yeah, yep. fall of 2005. Uh, went to college together, played football together. Um, he's now the co-offensive coordinator at the University of Minnesota, quarterbacks coach as well. Um, so I'm going to let him kind of intro himself a little bit and just talk about kind of how you got to where you're at now, um, what you're doing, and um, kind of getting ready for the season. Yeah, thanks for having me, Nate. Um, you know, I, obviously we met at Averett roommates together, Fugit Hall, um, you know, right around the corner. So we met there, played football together. I'm from Raleigh, North Carolina. And, um, you know, my career started off kind of, you know, it was, it was, it was a weird start, obviously, you know, being in the division three ranks and working your way up and getting to where I'm at now is, is, is an interesting road. And, um, but I started out, you know, playing at Averett, enjoyed all four of those years. You know, everyone always asked me what I've wanted to, you know, go walk on play at a division one school, maybe make my road a little bit easier. I always say no. You know, I'm always probably one of the worst people to ask for advice as far as how to get into coaching because I'm going to tell you to go, you know, coach. Don't worry about the logo. Um, just work hard. See if you like it first. You know, so you start a high school, you start a high school started middle school, you figure out where you're at and then just continue to build your network. And then obviously I got this, my coaching started at North Carolina Wesleyan College. That was right out of school. Spent two years there, coached a multitude of positions, you know, and I can get into that later, just how division three works and things along those lines. Met my wife there now, Emily, we've been married nine years, you know, just had our ninth wedding anniversary, um, you know, last week, yours is coming up. Um, yeah. You know, so um, did that, and and now we have two kids, you know, Rory and Lucy, you know, and so it's been it's been a cool ride since then. She's been been with me the whole time, you know, since outside of just the first year we were talking about last night. This is this is going. I'm going into my 15th year in coaching. She's going into her 14th. You know, she was the only one she was not a part of was my first year coaching, and then she's been there the whole time, whether we were dating, engaged, or married. And so it was, it's been a wild ride for her. Um, then I moved on to coach the corners at Methodist University in my first full-time job. That was cool. Got to be on the defensive side of the football. Spent some time doing that. Um, spent two years there. And that was definitely a different um, 
different experience because you know you're at North Carolina Wesleyan College, same conference as Averett and Methodist. You know, and the the roster size was was different than Methodist. It was more how it was like when we were at Averett, where it was a lot of players on the team. They were mass recruiters. You know, the school relied on the football program to to produce enrollment numbers, and you know, obviously with Division three, you need enrollment. Um, any non scholarship school. And so Methodist, we had to bring in 18 student athletes per our contract. And so that was the biggest change. And that's when I learned, you know, you know, kind of how to recruit, develop relationships at division three level. And that, that was, that was different. It's good. You know, we started training camp. I think we were a little less at Averett, but we started training camp at Methodist with 210, 205 players on the roster had two practices, um did, did a lot of different things i mean as a coach we were on the field for a total of five hours every morning you know because we had a, a veteran practice and then a rookie practice pretty much or you know a young practice so that was that was good and then um took the move up to ohio and got connected with that head coach um through my first head coach so a guy by the name of andy waddle was the head coach at marietta he worked with or actually played for Mark Henniger, who was the head coach at North Carolina Wesleyan College. They were friends, got connected with Coach Waddle, and he hired me as the quarterback's coach, passing game coordinator. And then I, as I grew, I became the recruiting coordinator, the academic coordinator, and the video coordinator within two years there. And that sounds like a lot, you know, because everybody looks at the Division One coaches and they don't have all those titles because, you, you know, you, you have a lot of different resources um, at this level. And, you know, same thing I said in North Carolina Wesleyan, like I coached running backs, tight ends, receivers, those two years, Marietta had all those off the field roles because you have to wear a number of different hats. And North Carolina Wesleyan, I, I cut the grass, cut the practice field grass. At Methodist, my, I had painted the midfield logo every Friday before home games, you know. And then at Marietta, we, I coached, um, I taught racquetball. You know, as a class, you have to teach class under your contract. So it was just different, different environment, different expectations. Um, but it was it was an experience that was extremely beneficial because no job too big, no job too small. And following that, so that was six years. So a total of ten years at, at Division Three, whether it was playing or coaching. Then ended up making the move, got an opportunity to get connected with um, guys at Western Michigan through a couple different people, but. Went and became a graduate assistant. Spent two two years there. Um, had a lot of success. That was the year you know we were we went to the Cotton Bowl in 2016, 13 and one, um, 13 and 0 MAC regular season conference champions. So it was a really cool experience. 2017, I ended up getting the opportunity to go up to, to Minnesota. First time. This is my third time I've been at Minnesota. And um, 17, I was there. Took a move down to UT Chattanooga as a receivers coach in 2018. 2019, ended up going back to the University of Minnesota um, after a brief stint at Chattanooga. And I can get into that later, however you want to go with the conversation. But it, it was that was a, a great experience to be able to go to Chattanooga and get my first on-the-field coaching um, there at the scholarship level. And then after 2019, we ended up going 11-2 and at Minnesota. Went to the went to the Outback Bowl, another great experience. And then following that, that was right before the pandemic started in 2020. Got hired at Western Michigan, 
and uh, was a receivers coach, worked for a different head coach other than Coach Fleck. And that was cool. Again, another number of experiences that I had in, in 2020 and 2021, got the opportunity to coach um, Dwayne Eskridge, Sky Moore, who are with the Seattle Seahawks and Kansas City Chiefs, respectively. And obviously, most people most people know who Sky is now because he caught the touchdown pass in the Super Bowl. You know, so a lot of people know who he is. But it, it, that was that was awesome to be able to get be able to coach those two guys. And then following the 21 season, Coach Black called me back and I got hired as a tight ends coach at Minnesota and spent last year as the tight ends coach and then just was elevated in January to this position. So it's been, you know, a crazy ride. I go back to when I met Emily, you know, I think in nine years of marriage, she has made seven moves. We've made six as a couple. You know, the seventh is her moving up from North Carolina to Ohio after we got married, you know. Yeah. Um, so, like, it's been it's been crazy and fun experience, but it's, it's a grind a little bit, too, now. Yeah. But that's pretty much it. That's my yeah. career so far. <laughs> <laughs> Just getting started, man. Um, I mean, I, I, I've told you this before, but, like, I have a ton of respect for, like, the work that you've put in. I know – like ever since I've known you, you've wanted to be a, a coach um, at the, at a high level, and like you've worked your butt off to get there, and um, like it's it's impressive, man. It's it's super uh, like motivating. Um, it's cool to be friends with people who like have a goal and freaking work their butt off to get there. Um, like nothing was handed to you, you know. It was just one of those things, like you said, that's put your head down and work, do the right things, and eventually good things happen. So yeah, appreciate. Um, it. Yeah, man. Uh, excited for you. Excited to see how the season goes. Um, certainly we'll be in the stands when you guys are playing at, at Carolina. Um, so I will, I will be there for that for sure. Um, the big question that I want to know is, you know, when you guys do make the college football playoff, what time is that game against Bama in the first round? <laughs> uh, I won't comment on that. We're just going <laughs> We're just going to continue to get better every single day. Um, we have a we have a motto within our program, which I think, you know, you can take with some of your athletes and the guys that you're around is we talk about changing our best every single day. And, you know, nothing matters what you did yesterday. You learn from that. You learn from the past. All all you worry about is controlling right now and change your best. And so that's what we're going to yeah. do as, a, as an offense. We'll do it as a program. But I'll let I'll let you uh, figure that out. How, how you get there if that ever happens. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I love that. We talk a lot about that. Um, you know, obviously with the strength conditioning world where I'm at, it's, it's trying to get a little bit stronger each day, trying to be a little bit better each day. Um, yeah. It's kind of the same thing. Uh, so that's, that's good stuff. I, I think there's a lot of value in that. Um, you know, and, and it's not always stuff that you see, I think like right. your, your best may not always be visible to everyone else, but like, you know, internally what your best looks like. So we talk a lot about that, a lot of growth mindset type stuff, but, um, like you, you mentioned kind of your path and, and how you got to where you're at now. Like, do you feel like there's still moments where you look around, like maybe it's, you know, when you go to Arbor, or when you go to Ohio state or, and you're like, holy crap, like I'm, I'm here or like, Hey, this was always the plan. Like what's, you ever have those moments? Um, sometimes maybe I think, you know, you never want to, you never want to, take for granted where you're at 
you know, I remember in 2019 when we played Penn State and we were 8-0, they were 8-0. And we were, I think, number 18 in the country. They were number four in the country. And, you know, you tr- you, you're working to stay as locked in as possible. And that was when I was a quality control. I wasn't a position coach and I was an assistant to the offensive coordinator. And, you know, my role was very, was very big early in the week. And then on game day, you know, like, I don't know if a lot of people know what a quality control coach does. Like they can't have any contact with players. They're not allowed to coach. You know, you have all communication with the coaches. So on game day, I'm communicating with the coaches. I'm not allowed to talk to the quarterback. I'm not allowed to talk to any players. And so your role is a little bit different, but it's still, you're still in the environment. You're still in the atmosphere. And I remember, I literally was standing there pregame and it was like the student section was filled an hour and 10 minutes before kickoff. And, you know, you come out right before the game and there's gold towels waving everywhere. And you, 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 you want to be able to take in those moments and that, that, you know, that environment. But once the balls kicked off, it's just like, we could be playing at Averitt in front of a thousand people we could be playing in front of a hundred thousand in the big house. Like you, you, you're so focused and that's how it is with the players too. You know, the, the, they have to be able to, to enjoy the moment too. You know, I'll never yeah. forget it. We were about to go back out for that game in 2019. And I remember coach Fleck coming in and saying to all the coaches, like, Hey, enjoy this moment. You know, this is why you coach. This is why you do what yeah. you do. And so I do to a certain extent, but, you just try to live every single day and enjoy it. Cause I get to coach football for a living. Yeah. There's worse um, things. Yeah. And, and it's fun. And you get to be around young people similar to like how you are. It's just on a different scale. You know, yeah. the biggest thing is, is that you, you're still impacting kids and you're still impacting student athletes. And that's why you got into it to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think there's a lot about like, always being grateful that's something that i've tried to really put into practice over the last probably i don't know year and a half two years um like just truly being grateful for the that you have um for the opportunities that you have and like i feel that way about where i work like i'm i'm in a situation that not a lot of people are able to be in where you can be a full-time strength conditioning coach at a private facility um do what i want to do no, every no. single day um so you know on weeks like this week has just been a long grindy week and right. like it's harder to be grateful but it's something that i think you have to be really intentional about and um it, again s- scale differently right but it's still like understanding that you're able to do something that a lot of people wish they could do you know and, and just no, be no. thankful and grateful for that that opportunity and, you know like coach Fleck has a thing that he says I don't know for all, all you know listeners. They you know Coach Flex, obviously the head coach of University of Minnesota, and and he worked for him for now. This will be the sixth year, and he has a thing every single year. He does different things with the staff, and he has staff re- resolutions, and he does these in January, obviously. And you know the thing that he's preached to us, which I think is really good, and then he's obviously preached it to our players. But he has a thing called the Egg Theory, and it stands for Energy, Growth, and Grateful. And you want to put energy into everything you do, you know, and obviously whatever that is in the organization, put energy in it, energy into it. Every single day you want to grow. 
and have that growth, whether it's you're the quarterback, whether you're the nutritionist, whether you're strength and conditioning, grow every single day and then be grateful for to be able to come into the building every single day. And it's that's been big, you know, because there's times where, you know, you do get caught up in the moment, you know, and you aren't grateful. And I think I think everybody, whatever you do. You should be grateful with whatever you do, put energy in, and grow every single day. And I, it's one of the few. It's one of the many things that he's that he's instilled in me. You know that I've taken from him. You know, and then I yeah. hopefully one day when I get the opportunity to run my own program, you know, I'll be able to put all this stuff together. But I mean, some of the stuff that he that he preaches, you know, you you it can it can it, you can incorporate it into your daily life. Yeah, for sure, for sure. No, I love that. Um, yeah, that's a cool way to to kind of think about it. Um, just simplifying it and having a few little things to kind of cue yourself on and think about going into each day. That's good. Right. Um, so let's kind of dive into a little bit of the, the philosophy of things. Um, again, you mentioned you've been basically at every level, right? So I don't know if you know this, but every high school football player thinks that they can play division football. Yep. Uh, so, which is a good goal, uh, man. Yeah, I yeah, I mean, set goals. I'm I'm cool with that. Um, yep. So, I, I guess being at those different levels, like, what have you kind of seen separates those kids that maybe play Division three, Division two, II, Division one? Um, like, is it their skill level, size, speed? Like, obviously, there's a, a certain level of skill and ability and athleticism and stuff that you have to have in size to be able to play at the level that you're coaching at now. Um, but what are maybe some other things that kind of separate those kids? So the first thing is measurables. You know, what's your, what's your position you're playing height, like length, all of that, you know, you could use yourself as an example. You know, if you, if, if, you you know, if you would have played tight end all throughout high school, you know, and people are going to look at you and say, okay, he fits the measurable traits. He's long. um, He's got good height. You know, can he put the weight on? All those questions are going to be asked, obviously, with me coaching tight ends, you know, uh, in the past. And if you don't fit those measurables, like, we're not even going to look at you. Yeah. You know, it's, it's going to be, all right, if you're an offensive lineman, and your goal is to be a left tackle in the NFL, but you're five eleven. That's you're probably not going to attain that goal. And that's yeah. the that's how this works, you know. But there's always a place where you can play. If you're six foot two, and um, the measurables aren't maybe necessarily for what we're looking for in that particular position, it might be the measurable at the group of five level. It might be the measurable at the FCS level, and so on and so forth. And that's the first thing that everybody looks at. As you go lower in divisions, measurables don't matter. So at Division three, they're looking for the best possible football player. So like, if the measurable meets our requirement at our level, then what we're going to look into is: is he good enough? We're going to evaluate his tape. We're going to evaluate um, game film, highlight tapes. Go see him uh, live in a camp. Go see him live at his school during the evaluation period. That's what we're going to do from there. Then that checks the box. Then after that, with us, with me especially, is mentality. You know, what every so many things goes into the mentality. Is he tough enough? Uh, is he um, is he a good is he a good person in the community? Is he a good person at school? 
you know, the, the crazy thing is that a lot of prospects think that the only people that we ask uh, about, you know, how is he as a person is his high school coach. You know, as we're walking through the school, we might stop, we might stop one of his peers and say, Hey, like if I'm recruiting, if I'm recruiting you, Nate, and I see uh, one of your friends, Johnny, you know, appear when I might say, Hey, Johnny, what do we think of Nate Woodruff? And if he says you're a great person, okay, cool. That checks the box. He might say, Hey, that guy, that guy's not very nice to me. Like he's not well liked. Like that could be a, that could be a, a red, a, a red flag. And yeah. we ask guidance counselors, we ask other teachers, things like that. Like there's always different things. Get to know the family. Um, because we talk about in our program, we talk about, you know, selecting um, certain recruits. We're going to find the best fit. You know, we're going to find either they fit us or they need us. And, you know, how can we develop that human? You know, they they might fit us perfectly. You know, you might fit us, our program perfectly from that standpoint, um, whether it's family, whether it's uh, academically, or it might be a situation where they have, you know, the support system around them isn't great. And they need us. They need that structure. And we're and we'll take that on and we'll, yeah. we'll do our best to make them a better person, um, better human being, you know, and they probably already are, you know, right. because we're we're not going to take bad people within our program. That's the number one thing. And I think because everything looks at it from, um, you know, we look at the full big picture and everyone always thinks, OK, they're looking for they're looking for a reason to draft me in the NFL. That's incorrect. NFL teams, college programs, all the way down to division three, they're looking for a reason not to take you. What's that reason? They're going to, they're going to talk to everyone, you know? So you, you get, you're lucky enough and fortunate enough to go all the way to the NFL draft process. Well, they're going to reach out to your ninth grade social studies teacher. Right. It's going to be everybody. They're going to look for reasons why, because they're investing money, time, all that into you. And I think that's what we're kind of looking for. So it goes back to, you know, a long answer, but it's it's measurables. You check those boxes. Then it's just ability. How good are they? And then it's mentality, fit, all those things. And I think it's all critical because you get a certain amount at this level. And you get a certain amount of scholarships and you don't want to, you don't want to make mistakes and you want to do everything you can to, to, to create the best player possible. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're talking about each one of those scholarships is, you know, quarter of a million dollars, essentially, yeah, a lot of money. Uh, you know, depending on the school, obviously. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it sounds like it, it's a lot like any building, any kind of elite team, like you're the more elite that you go, the more filters there are. Right. Yep. I mean, you talk about it at the high school level, like if you just freaking show up, you're going to probably be on the team unless you do something dumb. Yep. Um, you know, if you get to the college level, it's like, well, division three, yeah, like you got to be good enough to play. Right. Um, but but you think about this, you think about this, get around grades, like, and sorry to cut you off, but like, you think about this, like even, even when we went to Averitt, you're standing, you, you, you report and you talk to your guys, especially the guys that last, like they were all, all conference in high school. Yeah. You know, it, it's just they're they, they just weren't good enough to play at the highest level. They weren't yeah. good enough to play the FCS level. Like we were all we were all good football players. You know, we all know the the numbers and there's some guys that shouldn't be there. We get that. Sure. But for the, the core group of the guys you're recruiting and you were recruited, like you asked the guy, hey, I was third team all conference. I was honorable mention. I was first team all conference, you know, but he yeah. might 
he, he caught a lot of balls, but he ran a four nine forty. Like you're not going to play Division one football probably, right? You, you know, and so he, everyone thinks that you know it's it's not it's not it's a it's a disservice to play lower level. It's not. It's just where the chips fall for you. Yeah, I mean, if I tell kids that all the time, because most obviously most athletes aren't going to be Division one athletes. So the kids that I talk to a lot um, that don't maybe don't have some of those measurables but want to play, it's like, dude, you play college football, like you're in the top four or five percent football players in the country like absolutely playing anywhere you know i don't so know like, i don't know what the percentages are but it, it like it's less it, it, i don't want to put a number out there but it's it's yeah. a small percentage yeah for sure um yeah it's interesting i was like i'm I have the opportunity to be around a lot of high level like military dudes here yeah. um and we talk to them about like their selection process which is kind of similar to the recruiting process it's the same thing right like you have to be physically gifted enough to get there. You have to be good enough at certain things to be able to even go to selection. Right. But then once you get there, then like, like, yes, you're doing a lot of physically demanding things. Yes. You're doing mentally demanding things, but at the same time, like they're looking for the right fit for that particular team. Right. Yeah. So just because you made it through, even if you make it through selection, it doesn't necessarily mean you're getting selected. Right. Um, and I was talking, my pastor is a former green brain. That's what he was talking about is like, we're, we're trying to find like, the right group of people to create a good team um, mm-hmm. and there's a lot more that goes into it than just your your physical ability no question um so that's that's cool to hear um kind of ties in with with what we about um i guess the next kind of thought is like what's kind of the difference from that division three level to division one level as far as how the program runs right how you guys handle things um, cause what I, what I've typically told most of my football kids is like college football, is college football to a point, right? I'm, obviously there's differences, but like your schedule is based on what that college football coach wants you to do when you get there. And I'm sure it's the same at division one level, but obviously there's probably a little bit more involved there. There's a lot of, there's a lot of differences, um, that go into the differences between each level. It, there's one thing and it, it kind of just trickles down from there, but it's resources, it's resources and money. Yeah. And what do I mean by that? At Minnesota, there is a person that's in charge of the nutrition. There's a person that's heading strength and conditioning. Then there's three to four other coaches that are within the strength and conditioning department. There are um, as a person in charge of player development. There's a char- person in charge of on-campus recruiting. There's a person in charge of travel. There's a person in charge of video. There's a staff member that works alongside video. Then there's position coaches. Then there are guys that are graduate assistants. Then there are a number of other people that literally just interns, so on and so forth. Um, then you go to the MAC level. There's one person in recruiting. I think we have eight people in recruiting, seven or eight. Um, no nutritionist. Usually the nutritionist is a strength and conditioning coach. Trying to think. Then as you go down, so then you go down to the SCS level. The SCS level, there's just coaches. There might be a director of recruiting, but that director of recruiting handles on campus, planning the travel, scouting, things along those lines. Division three and division two is probably very similar. 
you know, I've never had the opportunity to coach a division two, but I'm sure like other than the fact that it has uh, a certain amount of scholarships that you can split up division two and division three, like resource wise, it's pretty similar probably. Yeah. And, and division three, you know, the, there's, there's GAs or interns. Then there are position coaches, but the position coaches, they do the strength and conditioning. They handle your academics. It's you're wearing a lot of different hats. Like I kind of already went through and that's probably the biggest difference. It, 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 it's the power five and then everything from there. And it's right. just power five has a lot of resources and a lot of money that goes into it. And we invest a lot in our guys and you know, it's a bottom line business, but you, you want to be able to do that because of uh, the amount of money that goes into it. Now, uh, the one, I, the one thing I will say is that at division three, you still invest the same amount of time. You still do all the necessary things and you still make the same impact. It's just right. you might have to do a, you have to might you wear a lot of different hats. You wear a lot. Somebody's cutting the grass at at, at Minnesota while I was doing it at Wesleyan, you know. And right. we want to provide the best possible situation for those athletes at North Carolina Wesleyan the same way we do at the University of Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's interesting. I just I've I've been talking a little bit with a uh, one of my players who went to Wofford. Um, yeah. We've been kind of messaging him and forth. He went up early and was able to to do some workouts and stuff with the team. And yep. he's going to be a walk-on uh, for them. But that's that was the thing I told him was, like, one, like you better really enjoy getting better at your craft because that's the majority of your time. Yeah. Um, but, like, your your whole life is scheduled for you. Like, there's yep. no – and, like, and if you love football, that's fine, right? You'll love that. But if you don't love football, you will not enjoy <laughs> this first for sure. Yeah. Um, like every and and that's that. I mean, even when we were at Avery, like that was like that two weeks of camp, man. Every minute was scheduled. Like we had we were scheduling like our lap times when we were going to watch Wedding Crashers. Like that was that was all scheduled out for us. Right. Um, which was great because again, if if you love football, like you love that. But if right. you don't, like it's it's going to be a rough time. Yeah. It's um, so kind of, I guess in that same vein, what are, what are some adjustments that I guess maybe the biggest adjustments that, that high school kids come into college, like, what do you see are some of the adjustments, the biggest adjustments that they have to go through? Um, time, just like kind of what you hit on, you know, it's, it's, it's a job. It's a job. Yeah. Like it's not, it's not, it's, it goes from, I use this actually in recruiting. And I tell guys this all the time, you know, for the first time in your life, football is not just fun. And what do I mean by that? Like in high school, you're just playing because you're choosing to play. You're good at yeah. it. And it's fun. So, like, people want to do things that they're good at because they have success. You know, you're not going to work in a field. You may make a lot of money in a particular field, but if you're not enjoying it, like you're not going to want to do it for very long. And the thing that happens when you get to college is all of a sudden you're that, it says that people say it all the time. You're the big, big fish in a little pond in high school. And then all of a sudden you're a little fish in a big pond when you go to college. And that's at any level because every player gets better, you know? Yeah. And uh, so all of a sudden you have to work a little bit harder. You have to work a, a, a little bit longer. 
you have to put a little bit more time into it mentally. And all of a sudden it's not as easy for you. Doesn't mean that you're not good. And then all of a sudden people find out real quick whether or not they love the process or they love what football brings them. Because all of a sudden they were really good in high school and they they were getting all these offers or they were getting all these these visits, these opportunities. And then all of a sudden there's a point in time where they hit you where it's like, okay, now I got to buckle down. I need to get better. Yeah. You know, because I've been doing a lot of like I, I listened to this guy and you probably heard of him. It's probably a very similar thing. I think I've talked to you about it before, but it's Ed Milet. And he's a motivational guy, does podcasts. And the one thing he was talking about, which I thought was fantastic, is that a lot of people, it was called achievement success. And it's one thing that I've talked about with players before because everybody works towards a goal. Well, when you get to that goal, what happens? It, 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 like new goals start over. And it's yeah. not necessarily, and that's what happens because people get burned out because they get to the goal and then what's tomorrow bring? They don't know. Right. And the achievement success is that's one of the biggest failures is that you work towards that goal. You work towards uh, winning a Super Bowl. Then all of a sudden you win a Super Bowl and, okay, great. Then that high is gone five minutes later. It's the process every single day. And that's why I think like it goes into what you said already is like, how much do you love football? Do you love football or do you love the process? And that's something that I think even as coaches, you and I both have to think about is you looking at you like you have to take it from the standpoint of, all right, this maybe this person wants to increase their their bench by 10 pounds by whatever time. I don't know. Well, if all you're looking at it is trying to get that that individual to get his bench better and then all of a sudden he achieves it, well, then now that high is gone. Like you're excited. You're excited for probably 20 seconds. Right. <laughs> it's the process of every day, like getting that kid better that gives you that high and gives you that that thrill. And I think that's what each player should do as they're going through it, because once you get an offer. You're on that phone call for 10 minutes, probably. And right. then you get the offer. Then what? You know, it's the process Oh, the process of all these days stacked up to that moment. Same thing yeah. in, in, in on the field, same thing in coaching. So every day. I mean, I, I think that's hugely, hugely, hugely valuable. And it's hard to like convince, it's hard to convince high school kids of that. And that's something that we're struggling with, with our team. And we've got a lot of older kids that are not coming to like optional summer stuff, Yep. you know? And it's like, and, and they're good players. Like they're going to play on Friday night because we don't have a choice. Yeah. Right? Cause they're just, they're good yeah. and you got to have them because yep. you got to win games. Right. Um, but they're not, and and I've I've faced this all through high school coaching. But you have these kids that are better players than other people that won't show up or won't do the things that you're asking them to do. Yep. And you have to have that conversation, kind of like you've said before, is like like you're not trying to be the best player on your team. You're not trying to be the best player in the county. Every player in college is doing that, right? Like every player in college was the best player on their high school team for the most part. I mean, with some some right. examples, right? Um, and especially when you're talking about at your level, like every player is two-time All-State in multiple sports, probably at your level. Yep. So you're not like the goal is not to be like yeah you can. If I coach receivers, right? Like sure you can just go run by this kid anytime you want to, 
Yep. Well, let's let's try to learn a release move because when you get to college, you're going to have to be able to put a release move on a corner, or he's going to put his fist in your chest. Right. You know, so like stuff like that um, it is hard to because kids just don't get it because they've never done it. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to like get them to kind of that buy-in. That makes and sense. That's the and that's the thing. Like even in recruiting, you know, I challenge we challenge our recruits all the time, and. You know, we we there's a number of examples that we've used, and, and this goes across countries. Is they say they want, they say they want it, and well, okay, how bad do you want it? Okay, we're telling you to put on the weight, and we're telling you that's the one measurable that's that you're missing, and and so when we get to say gain the weight. Come back in four weeks when you come back for another unofficial visit. Did you put on the weight? How tough are they? Right. And they put on the weight. Okay, cool. We got something with this guy. All right, he's put on the weight. Let's get him back to the camp in the summer. Let's see if he's getting better athletically. Then we can make a decision on him. Because I, there was a guy I was recruiting last year where he, uh, he, he, was, he was lighter. And I said, hey, we got to work on your weight. You know, and that's that's how you're going to be able to play at this level one day. And he wasn't allowed to eat in class. Like that was one rule. Like that was something he said. Like he wasn't using it as using it as an excuse. It was a fact. And he comes back to me like the next week, and he's like, "I coach, I asked all my teachers if I could eat a sandwich during their period." And he would if he had if he had five periods a day, he would eat five sandwiches a day not mentioning his lunch and he would just eat every period, but he found a way to be able to do it. When I had a conversation with this teacher, you know, this is why right. I do this. And so then when I go into the school and I, and I'm walking around, I'm talking to some teachers and he, and I'm talking to one of his teachers and his teacher's like, Oh, you're the coach that said he had to gain weight. Well, this is what I've done for him. And it, it was cool because, you know, if, if, if they want to find a way, they're going to find a way they're going to do it. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. And so it's, those are the, that's what we're talking about mentality. That's what you're looking for because there's so many decisions that go through with this thing. And I can't remember how we got on that tangent, but it's all, it's all, it goes back to the mentality of your yeah. student athlete. Yeah, for sure. Um, the, the middle side of it is huge. And that's, that's so much harder to like instill, I think, than the physical stuff. Like it's very if if kids will just show up and lift weights, like I can get them strong. If they'll show up and sprint, I can get them fast. But the the mental side of things, dealing with hard things, doing hard things, like that's, I think I've talked about that in every podcast at this point. Um, but that's that's the challenge that, and I think, and like you said, I think that's what separates a lot of these guys because there's a lot of, I mean, even at Avery, we had freakishly looking athletes out there that just probably played it at a higher level but just didn't want to work that hard didn't make the right decisions didn't do the right work in the class whatever mm -hmm. it might be yeah um i mean i can think of stuff off the top of my head that like like why are you here like yeah. we, we had that conversation a lot of times um and, and i think about that for myself too because like i mean i'm i'm a bigger like i feel like if i had figured stuff out earlier in my life you know 13 15, if i kind of figured out what i wanted to do I feel like i could have played at a higher level I have some of the measurables that you were talking about earlier, right? But it was the same thing. Like I just didn't know. Have yeah. I didn't have the the background for it. Mm -hmm. 
So in, in that vein, right, talking about kind of these younger guys, um, what are if if I want to play power five, right? I've got I've got measurables, I've got the the size, the speed, the whatever. Like what are what should I be doing as a as a maybe a middle school athlete, as a high school athlete? Like what are the things you think uh, would help me get to that point? Um assuming I have the the tools. I think number one, we'll find you. If if you if if you're a power five player, we'll find you. That's that I don't think that's the hard part. I think like the thing is is putting yourself in a position, um, whether you're trying to get an offer, whether you have those offers, you know, go to the places that are recruiting you. You may not have an offer at that place. You may not and I'm talking strictly scholarship schools, because I can go to division three, that's a lower level. Still go to those camps in the summer that people are recruiting. Go on those visits. Don't be ashamed of the fact that, okay, so-and-so school is is recruiting me and their logo is a little bit lesser than this other logo. Who cares? You want to go to the place where they want you, where you're needed, where you're wanted. And, you know, that's the biggest thing. Like, I, there's plenty of guys that I've been – that I get to camp or I get on campus for an unofficial visit that I don't have an offer. I, I tell them straight up, like, listen, I like you. I'm, I'm just not offering you yet. You know, there's a lot of, there's more information I got to find out. And, yeah. you know, they have to understand that. But that doesn't mean that we're not recruiting you because I want to make sure you know that you're wanted and you potentially could be needed. And then all of a sudden when we do offer you, that I, I don't have to make up any ground. You know, right. that expectation set. It's it's just like at the beginning of, like, if a, if, if a player comes to you it says, well, I want to play. I want to play at uh, so and so school. Well, that's a top twenty-five football school in the country. And son, I don't think you're good enough for that. And laying realistic expectations for them so that they can obtain their goals. Because if you're if you're if you're setting out unrealistic expectations, the kid's gonna he's not gonna have a good time. He's not gonna be, not gonna be enjoyable. And then ultimately, they're probably gonna stop playing. Right. Because again, it goes back to if you have success and you're good at something, you're probably gonna continue to do it. Because when you reach those small goals and those daily things, it's going gonna, it's gonna to boost their motivation and make them better. Coach Fleck always talks about every single day, you know, we're going to critique, we're going to coach, we're going to, we're, we're going to change these kids best every single day. But we have to fill in some of those times when, hey, they're doing something good. Because if we're correcting them on 10 things, eight to nine of them are things that they need to do better. Right. And then if all they're hearing is things they have to get better at every single day, it's not going to be good. So it goes back to the original question of what should I be doing? Invest in those people that are recruiting you, whether it's Averitt, whether it's uh, Methodist, whether it's whatever school, Minnesota, North Carolina, NC State, like any of those schools, like if they're investing time in you, then you invest time in that. Don't go out of your way to go to this camp because you've always wanted to go there. Who cares? You know, you have to not waste your time and then get better every single day. It goes back to changing your best. And I think if you can, if you can have that mindset, like you'll, you'll get to wherever you want to go. Yeah. And listen to the people around you. Yeah. Listen to the people who are trying to invest in you and love you and care about you. Correct. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, like, 
you know, I'm it's kind of neat right now, the situation that we're in, because I've got a lot of a lot younger kids. Like I've got a pretty good group of like my youngest right now is nine and I've got kids all the way up to like. I mean, I've got people all the way up to in their 40s, but kid wise, a good group from like nine to 12, nine to 13. Um, and and they're all football kids and they're like, I, I know I need to get stronger, you know, like and, and they're starting to see those things to see like the stuff that we're doing, not that we're doing anything crazy with them, um, but like building the habit of, hey, like I've got to get better. Right. I know I'm going to play in college. I got to be strong, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I see so many of these high school kids that aren't putting that time in. And it's like, man, every college I've ever talked to has wanted, like when they get a new kid in 99% of the time, they need to get stronger or they need to get faster. Like 99% of the time, no mm-hmm. college. And I tell I tell kids this all the time. Like no college coach has ever told me that kid is too strong. Like he's too strong and too fast. Like no kid, no coach has ever said that to me. What, what I have had coaches that said they need to get stronger and faster. Yeah. Like, one of the why best don't we that? Right. One of the best things I ever heard was uh there's not a lot of choices to be an elite. Yeah. Yep. You, you, either, talk about that all time. you know, you're you're either <laughs> if 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 you want to go out every night, not get any sleep, you want to eat the wrong things, you're probably not gonna be elite. Yeah. It's just it's there's not a lot of choices and it's hard it's hard to, with your guys a little bit harder a little bit easier with our guys not but it is hard because you different distractions and things along those lines sure but what i always say to our guys is if they have the ability if they have the ability to play at the next level like what do you like are you really are you really willing to sacrifice four to five years of your life of maybe choosing this over that to it to change your family change your life yeah. same thing in high school like you work towards that you work towards that goal and sure. how like it's a daily process like making that decision and yeah. if that's what you want to do and say you are like so you get a six foot three receiver that can run all of a sudden okay that guy fits it so like let me educate this guy on what the process is and then how yeah. do I go about getting him there? Because he has to choose it. But is he willing to sacrifice, okay, four years of high school to be able to achieve that goal? Are you willing to sacrifice that? Yeah. And so then I'll you're not. Yeah. It's okay. Right? Like you yeah, like it's not for everyone. You know, like you like you said, you have to make that decision. Right. And it's okay. You're not wrong either way. Right. But right. you need to that's what I try to I try to is to let these kids know, like, this is, this is what the process is. If you say yeah. that you want to play at the college level, at the level, whatever, right. this is the process that you have to go through. If you don't want to do that, that's fine, right? Let's just reassess our goals. Let's figure Absolutely. out what that process is going to be and let's kind of reverse engineer it back. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I think that's huge. And like you said, there's, there's always distractions depending on the – they're just different, right? Like every kid's going to have those distractions. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, they're just different depending on the level. But yeah, that that willingness to like choose that discipline piece um, is huge, right? And I, I think that's that's one of the biggest struggles that specifically high school kids have because they're just now getting a little bit of freedom. Yep. Right. And it's like now we figure out who wants it. 
Because now right. you have like, okay, now you've got a car, right? right. Like you've got friends, you've got a job, so you got a little bit of money for the first time. Like now let's figure out who really wants to be here, who really wants no to question. do the right things. No question. Who you surround yourself with, your friends, the right. relationships. Yeah. Like all those things, like they all play a factor and you know what how 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 focused do you want to be? Yeah. Dude, I I I don't know. I think the most important thing that I learned from Iron Mike, and he said this from like day one of camp, is you are who you roll with. Yeah. And I always remember him saying that, and he was a thousand percent right. Yeah. You know, um, we didn't like we all made fun of him when he would talk and stuff, but like that that phrase right there was a hundred percent true. And I tell mm -hmm. every that so important. Yeah. Um, we 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 didn't know we didn't know like at the time. You know, but we were we were surrounded by good men. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it was 100%. like you you don't think about it at the time, and you know that's I mean, why other, I, than, other than that. that. <laughs> you should uh, snip that. And send it to uh, but in all reality, like we we think back to those days, and and you know, I still talk I still talk to a number of those guys, a number of yep. those coaches, like. I still talk to I still talk to Coach Shaw all the time. Um, coach Coleman is the head coach at uh, uh, Waynesburg in Pennsylvania yeah. Division Three school. Uh, coach Phil Kleckler is at um, I want to say Lindsey Wilson still. Is, uh, no, he's not Lindsey Wilson. He's, oh, he's the head coach at Lindsey Wilson, um, NAIA school. And you know those guys. There's so many people that I think we at the time when you're going through it, you don't really think about it. And then, you know, we want to sit there and we, we were guilty of it too. You know, you want to sit there and question things and all those things. Like you think about how much time those guys put into us and, yeah. and, and, and how good of people we were surrounded by, Like we were surrounded by pretty good coaches and we didn't really yeah. know it at the time. And we, and that's, that's why we had success. Obviously we had the one, you know, bad year, but it was, yeah. it was, you know, you think about that and like our, our leadership on the team was bad. Yeah. You know, and but the other years we were there, we were pretty successful. We were pretty good. Yeah. You know, and it turns out to be like, okay, those coaches put us in a good position, and we had good leadership. You know, we had good people on the team. You know, yeah. it, all, it all encompasses this whole conversation. You think back even to the you know fifteen twenty years ago when we were playing. God, you didn't have to say that. Uh, um, yeah, no, I hundred percent agree. I tell people a lot when when I talk about. Like my, I'm way. I was way more proud of our senior year than our sophomore year, right? Like no, we no. won the conferences as sophomores, but that year, after the bad year that we won't talk about, our senior year going five and five, like I, I'm way more proud of that because, like talent wise, I don't think we were nearly as good right. our senior year as our sophomore year, right? Um, but I think we were much closer, like. I just I remember the feeling of finishing our junior year and like being around the seniors and being like, hey, we're not doing that again, like <laughs> you know. And and I right. I felt like we like really came together. We were much closer. Um, and obviously the results results showed on on Saturdays. No doubt. Um, cool. Well, let's dive into the fun part uh, of the conversation here. You said you got five, right? Yep. Okay. So the question that we're going through is. Top five uh, greatest games, any sport that you wish you could have seen live. All right. And I think 
we'll start at five. We'll get yours. I'll do mine, and then we'll work our way to one. Is that work? Yeah. So, do you, have them, do you have them ranked, or you just have five? I can have them ranked. All right. All right. So you start. What's your number five? My number five is game seven of the Cavs and Warriors, where the Cavs were down three one and came back and won. That was number five. Okay. Uh, so I actually have six. I cheated. Um, my five was UConn Syracuse 2009, the overtime game. Mm-hmm. Um, that one, and then I had it tied with UFC Texas 2005 national championship. That's a good one. Only because I think I w- I would probably put that one above it. Although I don't know that I would have liked to watch it from a different place because I watched it from a hot tub at my friend's house. Yeah, um, it was pretty decent location to watch the uh, the game. No, but no. those those two, uh, UConn Syracuse is still probably the greatest basketball game that I've ever watched on TV. Right. Um, same thing with USC Texas with Reggie Bush and Matt Leiner, Vince Young. That was hard to hard to beat. No doubt. All right, what you got for number four? Number four would be Tigers' last win at the Masters. Okay, 2019? Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so this one I think will surprise you. I have uh, 2001 World Series Game 1 at Yankee Stadium. So this okay. was not long after 9-11 uh, when George W. threw out the first pitch. I feel like the atmosphere of that game would have been incredible. Like, I hate the Yankees. I hope they lose every single game that's ever played. No doubt. No doubt. Um, but that particular game, like, with everything that had happened in the world, uh, I remember watching it on TV and being, like, having chills. Like, it was such a cool thing to watch. So that was that was my number four. That's a good one. That's a really right, good one. Number, number three. Number three is the kick six game, Alabama-Auburn. Mm, yeah, that's a good one. That would have been good. Uh, so my this isn't necessarily a game, but I I would have loved to have been there in Beijing when Michael Phelps did the last relay and beat the French team that had talked all the trash. You were you were um, deep in this. You, I, I I say I you did research. You cheated on this because you one hundred percent cheated. Absolutely, I thought, about, I thought about it for about five minutes. <laughs> I I did too, and I only came up with two because it was like six thirty this morning, and I was tired. Um, so I had to look. I had to look it up. I knew my top two for sure, but then I had to like look up other ones. All right. Um, but yeah, I would have loved. I mean, he won eight gold medals that whole Olympics, so that would have been cool to see any of them. But mm-hmm. the one where he's just like pumped up at the end, like that would have been would have been pretty cool. Mm-hmm. All right, what do you got for two? Uh, Ninety-two Leitner when he oh, shot the game one. Yeah. Yeah, a, dude, last, year, last year, strictly me as a fan, like could have had another one on there, but I took it off. But like yeah. that, that one, that one, ninety two was be the real deal. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, my number two, I had same one as yours. I had the two thousand nineteen Masters. Uh, yeah, with Tiger winning, I was, I remember being in my living room and literally just crying watching that. Uh, I was, I was like pacing around my living room. My wife was. Um, so did my daughter but yes and seeing tiger win uh in 2019 after everything that was that was pretty cool yeah i know what your one is so we have the same one what's your one no my number one we don't have the same one my number one is not even on the list huh no 
No, you're no. My number one is Game Seven, 2016, Cubs Indians. Okay, broke the curve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that. The last two. Uh, you're, I know you're one. You're one. I bet you're one. Is 98 Jordan Game Six? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, Game Six, the shot, the steal on, on Malone coming down on the left side, driving to the right elbow, crossover on Byron Russell. Yeah, because like I'm not, I'm not the greatest. I'm not the biggest Jordan fan. Like I like Jordan, but he's he's definitely arguably the best. <laughs> We're you not know? getting into that. We can't no, get into that right we now. Have, we don't have time for that. But That's it's uh, okay. He's he, that one uh, was special to you. So biggest Jordan. I think fan. I can. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I I feel like if I wanted to make money on podcast, we could just do a uh, LeBron Jordan debate. You, and just market that, and I like a billion views. You, I'd say Jordan's the best, but I say arguably because you could argue LeBron's the best. I don't really. Oh, I have a dog in the fight. You could. You could be wrong, but you could argue for sure. You can argue. Um, <laughs> I need to. I need to do that with somebody and just uh, just put it out there and see if I can get a bunch of hits. No doubt. <laughs> no doubt. Well, good stuff, that. man. Well, I appreciate uh, appreciate your time. I know you're super busy getting ready for the season. Um, I was, like I said, wish you nothing but the best. Excited to see how the season goes. And, um, again, I'll certainly be there when you just come down here and beat North Carolina in the first game, uh, even though I asked the plan uh, in that game. But, uh, but no, nah, man, I'm I'm for you. Um, like I said, it's, a, it's an awesome opportunity. It's been awesome to kind of watch your journey and, and be a part of it. And um, love you, man. And, like I said, appreciate you taking some time with me. No doubt, man. Appreciate you having me on. Anything you need, you let me know. And then, uh, you know, like I said, I think I, I enjoyed I enjoyed the conversation. You know, we've had a lot of these conversations that are not recorded, you know, and we're discussing a lot of these different things. So it's cool. Hopefully, hopefully we impacted one person today just, you know, with one of the thoughts that we had. And um, hopefully you guys can continue to get better, you know, based off of you know what we talked about and pick some of the things that we, we discussed and, and put them into their daily life. So I appreciate it, dude. Yeah, man. Love you, dude. Take it easy. Love you, bye. Thanks for listening to the Unlocking Athletes podcast. If you liked what you heard, give us a follow, comment, and review. If you are or know of an athlete that truly has the desire to maximize their potential, please follow at EAX underscore Athlete Academy and send us a message. We do in-person and remote training for athletes in any sport and would love an opportunity to be a part of your journey. Until next time, be an example you want others to follow, be intentionally grateful every single day, and be the hardest worker in the room. Let's have a day.